Hello, everyone, and welcome to a really special episode this week of I Can't Believe That Happened. And, oh, it's been so hard choosing who to cover for Black History Month, so I'm trying really hard to find different people who have been incredible leaders in different areas of art, politics, writing. Um, so if you have other suggestions, please feel free to message me. I would love to look and see who you want to hear about. Um, that brings me to a little bit of housekeeping here, which is please, please, please share us with uh, friends, family, um, any social media groups you're a part of. Uh, this is a new podcast and I don't advertise. So if you could um, share it, I can't believe it happened with people you care about. It's, um, it's kind of a fun podcast to listen to even on the way to school. Like try to keep it at 10 minutes. We'll see if I succeed today because... Wow, there is so much to cover here. We are going to be talking about Ida B. Wells. This woman was a powerhouse through her entire life. If you want inspiring, brave, unstoppable against immense odds, this is your girl. Um, She is brilliant. She was a leading civil rights leader. She was an investigative journalist whose methods of journalism actually wrote the book pretty much for how journalism would be done from there on out. Uh, She was a writer, a researcher, a public speaker who traveled all over England and back over to the United States. And she was also an educator and a teacher. So you hear all this and you think, wow. Oh, and she was also, um, she also tried her hand in politics. We're going to get to that pretty soon. Um, but you hear all this and you think, wow, she is inspiring and amazing. But let me tell you when she was born. She was born six months before the Emancipation Proclamation. And she was born on July 16th, 1862 in Holly Springs, Mississippi. So if you know your history, you know that she was born just a few months before her parents were freed. And she was born in an area where, yes, her parents were slaves. So when the Emancipation Proclamation happened six months after her birth, her parents were able to legally marry, and they were incredible people in their own right. Like, her parents were amazing. They ended up having eight children. She was the oldest of the entire family. Now, her parents became incredibly active in the Reformation, um, and her father, James, especially served on the board of the Rust College, which was a college for freed black slaves um, and for their children. And he was a very big believer that education was the way out of poverty. And if you understand what was going on in the Reformation, I'm just going to give you a quick little history lesson here because um, once these slaves were freed, there was not a huge amount of structure on how to make sure that they were able to work to make sure that they were able to pull themselves from poverty and support themselves. And there was a huge amount of poverty and there was a lot of confusion. And James's belief was that the way forward was through education. And he was instrumental in helping set up schools for people to be able to pull themselves out of, out of poverty. And he really encouraged his daughter in her studies. And Ida B. Wells was quoted as saying, our job, which she meant as children, our job was to go to school and to learn all that we could. Okay, so this is where her story takes a tragic turn, um, as you can imagine. And there's a lot of tragedy here, but this really shows the strength of her spirit. She was away at school, and while she was away, 
yellow fever went through her entire community. And there is um, the records from Mississippi show this was an incredibly virulent strain that went through the town, and she lost her parents. And um, she was only 16, and she was orphaned. She left school so that she could go and take care of her siblings by herself. So she took on parenting and care of all of her siblings when she was only 16 years old. And to support her family, she took a job as a teacher, and so she taught in some of the rural districts. She eventually moved. Her brother um, found an internship in carpentry and stayed behind, but she moved with her sisters up to Memphis and lived with her aunt. Now, this is where she gets very, um, her story takes like a huge, huge turn, and this is where she starts getting involved in journalism and politics is when she's in Memphis. So 80 years before Rosa Parks, which you've probably heard of Rosa Parks and, um, and her activism, and this was 80 years before. And Ida was only 22 years old. She was on a train, and she had bought a first-class ticket in the ladies-only train. And while she was sitting there, she didn't realize that the Jim Crow laws were in effect, or she might have realized. I read... So many different accounts of this, and I got so many different um, answers from incredibly reliable sources. And it's a little frustrating because I, all these were very um, documented sources, but they give different aspects of this. So I'll, um, I'll put an asterisk by this. What we do know that happened, that everything agrees on, is she was 22, and she's sitting in a first-class ticket, and the conductor came and cited Jim Crow laws. Now, Jim Crow laws were laws that were in effect that made it so that there were only certain places that black people could go, that there was only certain times they could be out, and that on buses or public transportation, they would have to sit at the back in specialized areas. Okay, so he forced her off the train. Now, some accounts have her even biting his hand, um, which was a PBS account, which I trust PBS a lot, but um, I, I only found that in that one source. But she was very angry, as anyone should be. And she sued the public transportation company, and she won. The company took her to court again, and she lost in a lower appeals court, but she did win her first court case. Now, this really pushed her towards activism. And while she was in Memphis, she became very, very interested in journalism and became the co-owner and editor in a local newspaper called The Free Speech and Headlight. And she was a fierce reporter. And I know that I have a younger listening audience, so I don't want to go into any major details, but um, some of you older audience have a general idea of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the violence that occurred to black people at this time of the Reformation. And she wrote about it in detail with first-person accounts. Um, she also exposed the racism, the poor education that black people were experiencing in the rural districts. And she did this at incredible personal risk. And she ended up during a tour after she wrote about the death of one of her friends, um, there was a mob that actually burned her newspaper to the ground. Um, she was away at the time, but she was told not to return to Memphis at, um, at the cost of her life. So she was <laughs> brave is an underlined statement here. She was amazing. And she, um, became known as the princess of the press and, 
her stories are, are wonderful, and it's hard to explain. And I'm going to let Frederick Douglass explain this. He was very famous ex-slave, and um, in referring to the power of Ida B. Wells' um, writing, Frederick Douglass said, there has been no word equal to it in convincing power. I have spoken, but my words feel feeble in comparison. And what he's talking about is the power of a story. And that is something that just cannot be underlined enough, is that if your words ring true, they can really spur on action and they can get people to emphasize and understand in a way that they couldn't before. And she had that gift in her writing and her reporting. Now, in 1875, the Civil Rights Act was mostly taken down by the Supreme Court. Now, we hear the Civil Rights Act and we think more recently. This is 1875 Civil Rights Act. This was um, in response to the Civil War, in response to the end of slavery. And at that time, there was a huge swing away from equal rights for black people. And it it breaks my heart, <laughs> quite frankly, to, to think about what everyone went through. Um, there was a huge turn away from that Civil Rights Act of 1875 towards the Jim Crow laws. Um, and I'm going to leave it there because there's so much to unpack there. And if you want to do your own research, please do um, if you feel ready for it. It's, um, it's heartbreaking. So Ida B. Wells did not look at this injustice and just go, okay, well, I've done my part. I've written these articles. I've spoken throughout the world. She um, kept fighting, and in her fights, and in the pamphlets, and in the marches, she met Ferdinand Barnett, um, and he was a civil rights attorney and an incredible journalist in his own right. And she had always said that she would never marry unless she had something that was very different than the marriages she had seen in the late 1800s and early 1900s. We are at 10 minutes, and you're going to have to forgive me. I'm so sorry, but I, I'm going to go a little over. She's just too amazing not to report everything I have written about her. So give me a, just like another three minutes of your time. I promise this is totally worth it. So she married him in 1895 because they were equals. Um, they were, at all accounts, incredibly close, and they worked hard together for civil rights. Because she was the more famous of the two and because she went on speaking tours, he let his law practice take a huge back seat and he became one of the primary caregivers of their children. And he took care of a lot of the household tasks. Now, you might look at your parents or your families or your friends around you and go, well, that seems pretty like how things are. But this is 1890s and he stayed home to take care of the kids and to help push his wife's career forward and to push her activism forward. And that that brings me a warm and fuzzy feeling, I have to say. Um, I just love when people are able to support each other in their relationships. So this is um, the last part of Ida's life. And she became the founder for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored Women. Um, as she grew older, like even the year before she died, she was not going to slow down. She created the first African-American kindergarten in her community. And then in 1930s, she made a bid for Senate. She was um, already sick. Um, and she decided that she was not going to just sit back. And she saw huge problems with prison reform and mass incarceration of black people and especially of black men. And she ran for Senate on those platforms. And she lost. Um, but I do find it a little disconcerting that we are still dealing with these issues today. 
Um, but I take incredible heart in how hard Miss Wells fought, and um, she just amazes me. So there is the story of Ida B. Wells. Please, um, if you are going to look up through my show notes, I do link everything. If you are a parent, please look at them first before showing this to younger children. I think if you've been able to read between the lines, you know what I'm talking about. I'm saying violence. Um, but please feel free to do your own research about Ida B. Wells. She is an amazing, amazing person. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please tune in next week. I think we're going to talk about one of the first black women aviators. Um, I, I just can't resist doing her story. She was so fun and amazing. So please tune in next week. Thank you so much. Have a great week. And thank you for sticking with me an extra three minutes.